0: Hey there, I'm Heather Mulder, a former AmLaw 100 partner who just five years into my legal career found myself teetering on the edge of burnout. So that I didn't become yet another attorney burnout statistic, I decided it was time to redefine success from the inside out. Fast forward a few years and it worked. I had a thriving legal career balanced with a fulfilling life. What I learned is that you can achieve the success you want without sacrificing yourself in the process. And I'm on a mission to help you do exactly that. Join me each week for practical, unfiltered advice on how to successfully navigate the challenging legal market and succeed in both law and life. This is the Life in Law Podcast. The number one complaint I hear, no matter who it's from, whether from an in house attorney struggling to manage a team, an associate trying to juggle work for numerous partners, A junior partner trying to get started building their own book of business or a partner who's been a partner for 15 or more years just trying to get their firm or book of business to the next level. What they say is, I have no time. And what every one of them says they want is control over their time. Quick note, you don't actually control time. That's not what you want. What you want is better control over you. How you choose to spend the time you have, which is exactly what we're getting into in today's podcast. Hey there, this is Heather Mulder, host of the Life in Law podcast, and I'm really excited about today's topic because I hear about this so often. And The kind of the five steps that I'm going to give you today is really the biggest difference between living that busy, rushed, drink-from-the-fire-hose-all-the-time existence that many of us attorneys find ourselves in all the time versus being present, being intentional, being focused, which I know is what you really want, right? (laughs) At least that's what I hear. So that is what we're getting into today. Now, let me just warn you, guys. There's no magic bullet. There's no magical bean that you can take to ensure that you are more present, more intentional, more focused, and that you're not going to be busy, rushed, drink from the fire hose. It's a culmination of a couple of things. Okay. Which is what we're going to go into today. And it really does have to do with choice, with how you choose to spend the time you have. That's ultimately what this comes down to. And I want you to remember that because it's important because what we often think is that we don't have a choice. Well, so-and-so needs this. Well, so-and-so wants this. Well, I have to. I should. Those are the type of things we tell ourselves to convince ourselves that we don't have control, yet we do. Now, are there consequences to the choices we make? Yes. So you need to be very intentional about the choices you are making why you're making them why something is a priority why something is not a priority right so that's really what this comes down to at the end of the day so i want you to keep that in mind as we go through each one of these because warning or at least like spoiler alert None of this is going to come as a big surprise or shock. (laughs) You've heard these things before, but my hope is that I present them to you in a way with this thought at the forefront where you're finally like, okay, yes, I'm ready to tackle this. I'm ready to do it. I'm ready to take these steps and actually go all in and try them out. And what I would say to you is take these five steps implement them, you're going to figure out that this is really a process or a system. As you know, I love systems. I love processes. If you happen to have not heard that particular show, highly recommend you go back to it. I will put a link to it in the show notes. But really, this is a system or a process for prioritization, for prioritizing properly. And also for really good time management and being more intentional and enabling yourself to become more focused so that you can be more present in the moment, which is something I know a lot of us say we need more of. So here goes. Step number one. This is probably the hardest step (laughs) and it may not sound hard. It's very simple, but you'll see why in a second. Step one is analyze how you are spending your time. And this is the hard part. Be super honest with yourself about how you're actually spending your time. So here's what I actually recommend before you go into the actual analysis. Here's what you need to do. Step one is to sit down for like 20 minutes and map out how you think you're spending your time on a daily basis. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to map it out on a regular work day. Okay. On a regular workday, I get up at this time. Here's what I do in the morning before I get to work. Here's what I do at work. Here's how a typical day would go. Now, no, it doesn't have to be perfect. And yes, I know things change day to day, but about how much time do you think you're spending on big picture client work? How much time do you think you're spending on client development? If that is something you do, how much time do you think you're spending on emails? How much time do you think you're spending on the phone? How much time do you think you're spending talking to people in your office? you know, how are you actually think you're spending your time? And what I would recommend is you break it into categories initially, like categorize family time. Um, And I'm talking real family time, not the get ready crazy time in the morning. The getting ready time, you know, getting yourself ready, getting your lunch ready, getting your kids lunch ready, whatever goes into the getting ready time for you and your family. Uh, Client time, Actual time spent with clients, like on the phone or emailing them or texting them if that's what you do with clients. Also, work time. You know, how much of this time do you think you're spending on actual day, you know, work, work product, writing a brief, preparing for a meeting, uh, drafting a loan document, whatever it is that you do. So spend 20 to 30 minutes thinking through how much time do I think I'm spending? And don't stop at the end of the workday. Finish out. Okay. How do I spend the rest of the day? What's my drive time? And what am I doing during that time? That's actually important, by the way, (laughs) because oftentimes there are hidden gems in there for self care. And what I mean by that is those of us who have to spend a lot of time on, you know, on a bus, in a train, or in a car can either utilize that time being mad and angry because we're stuck doing whatever it is we're you know in on the bus in in the train in the car in traffic or we can find a way to utilize that time maybe if we're on a bus or on a train we actually continue a little bit of work maybe it's our reading time maybe if we're in the car it's our music time to listen to the music we really want to or our podcasting time that can actually be well used and well spent time now You need to actually be honest, though, with how you're currently spending that time. And then into the evening, too, are you actually regularly getting back to work is a typical day. And I would say if three days out of five on a weekday, you're actually spending time one, two or three more hours once you get home working, you need to log that as how I think I'm spending my time. So be really honest with yourself. And. Put it into categories of work categories and home life type categories that are regular, and and kind of think through. Okay, a typical day, how much time do I think I'm spending on these things? So that's step one. That's part A of step one. Part B of step one is to then actually log how you're spending your time, and I recommend at least a one week period maybe even two. It somewhat depends on you and your typical schedule or calendar. And what you need to do is do it at a time that is more regular. So do not log your time if you're in the middle of a closing that happens four times a year, like, or in the middle of a trial that you have once or twice a year. I want you to actually log your time on a more typical day, right? The Times where you're doing things that aren't typical is not the time to log it. So, spend at least a one week period up to two during your work days to actually log your time. Now, you're going to think at first that this is easy because, as an attorney, especially if you're in private practice, if you're not in private practice, it might not be so easy. But if you're in private practice, you are already logging a lot of your time, but you're not logging it in the way that I'm telling you because you do not log every time you get up and go talk to people that is un- not work related you're only you know logging your billables so some of this will already be done but you need to actually pay attention to the other things you're doing how many times do you get up and go to the bathroom and in that bathroom break you actually stop for 15 minutes to talk to somebody how many times do you if you work from home get up and get distracted to go fold the laundry or do the dishes or get outside or do something that you didn't intend to do those are the types of things you need to actually log you need to pay attention attention to all of that so you can actually see well how much time am i utilizing for the things that i think i'm actually needing to utilize it for and how much is kind of time wasted that i could get back so spend at least a one week period so that's step one and as i said this is the hardest step but it is incredibly beneficial do not skip this step a lot of people like to skip this step because it is a pain in the butt (laughs) i just got to tell you It's so worth it. Here's what a lot of people find who actually do this. They realize that they're wasting time on some things that they don't really need or want to be wasting time. And so it enables them to schedule their days a lot better and get some of their time back immediately. They also sometimes pleasantly are surprised that to find that there is some time that they don't even recognize or they didn't recognize before that they are spending for self-care or you know uh, to get closer to family members so for example for those of you parents out there who might spend an inordinate amount of time in the car with your kids taking them to and from activities we often tend to look at that as I got to get in the car and go take my kid here and like you know I'm just a chauffeur well You could see that, you know, maybe you see that you're actually spending an hour and a half on average several times a week in the car with your kid. Well, could you turn that into more fun time? Could you turn that into time where you talk things through, you find out what's going on with their day? This is somewhat going to depend on their age. You could turn that time into... Really nice moments where you connect more. Maybe you find that you're in the car every day for an hour or more on your own, and you can turn that time into some much needed self care time or, you know, listening to your favorite podcast time. There's a lot of things you can do with that. So a lot of people actually find, oh my gosh, I have things, I have areas where I can make this better. And also, Hey, I'm actually spending more time with my kids than I thought. Or, you know, so there's some pleasant surprises in there that you can do something with and you can make better. So that is step one. Analyze how you're spending your time and be super honest about where it's going. This is going to tell you where you can make some very quick changes and also like change your mentality around, hey, I might have some more time than I thought. Hey, I might have actual control over more time than I thought. I might actually be choosing more wisely than I thought. So take advantage of what you find and then utilize what you find to do better moving forward. So that's the end of step one. Step two. Step two is you want to sit down and you want to start utilizing the Eisenhower matrix for prioritization. The Eisenhower matrix is basically this. You have four quadrants, non-urgent priorities, urgent priorities, non-urgent non-priorities, and urgent non-priorities. Okay, so non-urgent priorities tend to be things that relate to long-term goals that are priorities for your bigger picture goals, but they're not, like nobody's breathing down your neck to get them done, so you consider them non-urgent. They also can include longer-term projects, maybe for clients, but there's no looming deadline, okay? Urgent priorities are those things that are true priorities, so they relate to your goals or they relate to client work that you actually need to be doing you, (laughs) and they are urgent, i.e. there are deadlines associated with them that make it necessary for you to be doing the work that you have on that list as an urgent priority within the next 48 to 72 hours max, okay? A non-urgent, non-priority scrolling social media, watching television, you know, things that are really not urgent and are not really priorities. They're usually time wasters. They're the types of things that we kind of are mind numbing. Um, I'm not saying you can't ever do these. Sometimes there is some benefit to them uh, because we need mind numbing. But how much of you know, how much is there? How much of your time are you spending there? That's something to pay attention to, especially when you analyze how you're spending your time, because you really want to limit that and be more purposeful with the self-care activities you have so that you're not just mind numbing, but you're actually meeting the needs that you have. Urgent non-priorities are those things that are urgent. Somebody's breathing down your neck, um, for it because they want your help, but it's not really a priority for you. Maybe something you promised, but it you shouldn't have. It, it wasn't, it's not really something you should have promised to do, but you did and that makes it urgent. Those are urgent non-priorities. Okay. Now a couple of notes. Just because something is urgent does not make it a priority. When you see that there are non-priorities that feel urgent, it's usually because you've said yes to something you really didn't want to or need to. This is a sign that it's an area for standards and boundaries. This is telling you something. Pay attention to it. The other thing to pay attention to is you need to ask yourself, is this really urgent? Is somebody pushing it because they want it, but it's not truly urgent? Is there a false or unnecessary deadline related to this so-called urgent priority? might still be a priority, but maybe it doesn't need to be urgent, okay? So you want to always ask, can this be pushed back? Can it be pushed back? What happens if I push it back? What happens if I don't do it in this timeline? And if it's not a big thing, then perhaps that's an area, if you've got too many things on your urgent priority list, that's an area where you need to push it back. Which, yes, means uncomfortable conversations sometimes with people, but it's going to also tell you where you overpromise and how you need to deal with that moving forward. Now, I've gone... Even more in depth into how to use the Eisenhower matrix and a lot of these kind of tips around how to determine what are priorities, what are not, what's truly urgent, what's not, what to do with this, how to utilize the Eisenhower matrix. And I am going to put a link to that episode in the show notes. It was one of my early episodes. And then there's also a complimentary episode to that around the mindset of productivity, how to have a productive mind. I'm going to link to that as well. They are kind of a two-part series. I highly recommend you go back and listen to them. It's really going to help you with this process even more. Okay, so that was step two. You've got to actually prioritize. Figure out what's a true priority, what's not, what's urgent, what's not. Get it down in your matrix so you can figure out what you've got on your plate. Your next step, you want to offload every single thing that you can. Remember, y'all, you do not have to be the one to do it all, even on things that are priorities for you. So oftentimes we have bigger projects that are priorities, but we don't have to be the ones to do everything. We can offload some of those things. So you always want to ask yourself, okay, what can be delegated? What happens if I'm the one that doesn't do it? Can somebody else take over or do it? And you want to remember here, this is where our perfectionist tendencies really do get in our way. This It doesn't need to be done perfect. You do not have to be the one to do it. Who else can do this good enough? So you really do. You want to offload everything you can and delegate as much as is humanly possible so that you can leave time for true priorities that are in your neck of the woods, i.e. the things you truly love doing, the the things you want to be doing, the things you should be doing for your clients, for your business, the things you enjoy, the things that utilize your strengths. Those are the priorities you want to do. Anything else, You want to try to delegate. So that's step three. Offload everything that you can. Delegate. And remember, y'all, put systems in place for delegation, okay? Go back again to that systemization podcast that I talked about earlier. Systems are what allow you to delegate without worry because they set up standards for people to follow, so that they end up doing the best job possible, they know what to expect, that kind of a thing. So if you really struggle with delegation, you're gonna wanna listen to that episode. It's going to help you with it. Now we move on to step four. You have a list of things, of priorities. Some of them are urgent, some of them are non-urgent. You also probably have in the back of your mind Things that you just need to do day to day, right? Daily activities that you need to attend to, like email, returning voicemails, that type of thing. So the first thing you're going to do is you're going to look at the non-urgent priorities and you're going to say, okay, what do I need? What, what needs more time? on these non-urgent priorities. A lot of non-urgent priorities, as I said earlier, relate to bigger projects, maybe writing a brief, drafting a loan document, that kind of a thing. Review work of an associate that they've turned in that's not urgent, you don't have to get it out to the client for another week, but sometime in the next couple of days you've got to attend to it, that kind of a thing. Those bigger projects that need larger chunks of time, you wanna pull out your calendar and schedule it. And then you actually do that at the time that you scheduled it. The other thing you want to do is you want to look at long-term priorities that relate to kind of goals. And oftentimes these relate for us lawyers to personal and professional and career development type things. Maybe trainings that we need to attend. And then business development, like growth activities for our business. So... Maybe you have a speech in a month and you need to start outlining it and then prep it, right? Maybe you need to do some research for a networking event you're going to in a couple of weeks to ensure you're ready and you've reached out to everybody who you know will be there so that you can set up meetings. Those take time. So you need to also put that into your calendar. Pick a time and day. Be reasonable about the time you need. Don't overestimate, but don't underestimate. It's better to actually... Let's say you think it's going to take three hours and only takes two to do something. Well, pulling that three-hour time and setting it aside and you get it done in two, then you got an extra hour to get to other stuff. So schedule that. Use your calendar. The other thing that you're going to want to use your calendar for is daily or regular tasks and activities. And what I mean by regular is things that you need to do at least once a week, maybe twice a week or daily so for example checking and getting back to email returning phone calls those would be daily activities and I highly recommend you schedule in time periods on a daily basis for you to do that and probably more than once a day maybe you check first thing in the morning and then right before lunch and then midday and then as you like right before you leave the office maybe you check twice a day it's really going to depend on your practice okay But you wanna schedule that time in and ensure you stick to it. It's a lot easier to do and to stick to and to not get overwhelmed by it if you have it in your calendar and you just do it at that time. Same thing goes for returning phone calls. Maybe at the same time every afternoon, you check your voicemail, you check with your assistant, you figure out who's called you and you return all calls. Now, a note about this. You need to train your clients well, okay? This works incredibly well, and I don't care what your practice is so long as you train your clients. And what I mean by that is you need to let them know, look, I return phone calls every afternoon between 3 and 4. And so please leave me a voicemail and know I will get back to you, either via phone or via email, depending on what the request was, to let you know I got it, I'm working on it, you know, give you the time frame, or pick up the phone and call you about whatever. That being said, if it's an emergency, here's how to reach me. Call my assistant and she'll come find me, right? Uh, Text me, something. You can train your clients and then you have to inform them on what is truly an emergency and what is not. And let me just say that oftentimes when you're training clients, and this goes with colleagues and um, peers and people that you work with, people on your team as well. They're going to mess up sometimes. They're going to think something's an emergency that's not. So you just nicely let them know, Hey, appreciate you bringing this to my attention and following my, you know, protocol, but this really wasn't necessary. You could have left this as normal and I would have gotten back to you. Like you just need to tell them over time, it will get better. People will learn. So you've got to train them for this to work. All right, so email, returning phone calls, daily activity. Another daily activity for those of you who have members of a team, right? Who maybe you have paralegals, assistants, associates, people who work with you a lot. You need open door time, usually daily. You need a time where they know they can reach out to you for questions. This really helps, by the way, with the interrupting chickens, they call them. I don't know if you've ever read the book, The Interrupting Chicken, It's a kid's book where you teach kids not to interrupt you all the time. My oldest son definitely needed that as a kid. And frankly, sometimes he's still pretty bad about it. But (laughs) that's a whole other issue, right? So I learned early on when I started running Teams that people would, you know, they always come up with questions. And then there's people who will email you or message you like constantly every time a question comes up, which is incredibly interrupting. Like it, it just it takes you away from all the things you need to be doing and it can be a total time suck. I also noticed there were colleagues, usually peers, who would love to just, hey, can I bend your ear for a minute? Like knock on the door and come in. This helps with that. So you need a set time, maybe it's a one hour per day or two hours per day where, hey, I'm gonna be open at this time unless my door is closed and I'm on a conference call with a client because that's when it had to be scheduled. This is my typical time to be open to you for questions. Come with everything. That can really work well. Now, when it comes to weekly or several times a week, think about, you know, meetings with staff and team members. That doesn't usually need to be daily. That may be weekly or twice a week, beginning and end of week. You want to schedule those in and make them regular. And also think about time that you need for quiet Processing time. Not everybody needs this, but many of us do, especially as we get more senior and we are really trying to plan bigger things for our businesses or our teams. We need leadership time. We need business growth thinking time. We need some time where we're just quiet and we journal and we think through these kind of bigger picture strategic issues and come up with ideas And oftentimes, we don't put enough time in for that. Now, maybe you don't need weekly. Maybe you need twice a month. But you need it regularly, a couple of times a month at minimum, where you want at least an hour, hour and a half of time just for you. So you want to actually schedule that in and make it regular. Now, something to note here, when you are scheduling in projects, long-term goals, your daily stuff, you're going to start seeing that your calendar is getting already pretty filled and you haven't even gotten to kind of your big top to-do list priorities that are urgent, right? You've only taken care of the daily stuff and the non-urgent priorities. That's okay. But you want to pay attention, again, to how much of this can I offload? Where can I implement systems to take me out of the equation as much as possible, It's going to start telling you why you have so little, quote unquote, control over your time. These are the things oftentimes that are sucking too much away. And the reason is some of the stuff you just don't need to be doing. You could have others do it. So for example, I have a client who owns her own firm and she has an executive assistant who goes through her email because... Probably 60% of the email she gets, she doesn't need to look at at all. It's not necessarily even client email. It, it relates to all kinds of other things. Some of it is email from clients that she only needs to know about, but it needs to go to somebody else to take care of. And so her executive assistant, she has a process, they have a system where her executive assistant checks through it. She sends things off to where they need to go if they, that her, if she doesn't even need to look at them. She puts things into folders. They organize them. And there's always the, I'm not sure what to do with this folder, right? And they're learning constantly. And the more they do this together, the better the executive assistant gets at knowing what to do with it. But it's really helped to streamline her because her email was taking over her day. And it's given her a lot of her time back just by doing that. And you might think, oh, I couldn't do that with my practice. I don't know. Maybe you can it's going to depend, but you need to be, you know, look at this with a critical eye based on how you analyze the time that you were spending and think about, well, how do I how do I offload as much of this as I can and still work efficiently and effectively, obviously. Okay, so that was step number four. You want to calendar your non-urgent priorities and then also put... Urgent activities into kind of a daily, weekly, twice per month, depending on what it is. Urgent or, you know, regular tasks or activities that can become urgent if you don't do this every so often. You want to get that into your calendar on a regular basis. Step five, now you have a bunch of things still that are on a to do list, right? Some of these are urgent. Some of these still are not urgent. Because remember, you only calendared the bigger chunks, the things you needed to take bigger periods of time for on the non urgent stuff. You probably still have some things that are okay. As long as this gets done in the next week or two, it's fine. Not urgent, but still needs to get done and needs to get done by you. It's still a priority. So, what do you do with all these things? We want two lists. Step five is to create two lists one is a to do list. One is a not now later list. So let's start with a not now later list. The not now later list is a list of those things that are priorities, but do not need to go onto your calendar just yet, at least, or are not urgent. And the whole point of it is so that you can keep track and not forget. Okay, this list you want to review every single week. Because things on it will eventually become more urgent priorities and will go on to your to-do list. Or may get to the point where you're like, you know what, I need to calendar that for this week. The other list is your actual to-do list for the day. It is the top three to five things that must get done in that day. Now, we coaches like to talk about the rule of three. Not to have more than three priorities at once. So for example, maybe you need to send an email to a client about an issue you've been thinking on. And that's going to take at least a half hour, maybe up to an hour of work because it's a tricky email, right, that you need to draft. And you have another client you need to talk to that's going to take about a half hour of your time. Well, that's up to an hour and a half of time right there. You think, oh, an email to a client, a call to a client, no big deal. But when you sit down and actually think about how much time will this take, that's an hour and a half of time. And you also have to draft a brief or a loan agreement or a document. And that's going to take three to four hours of time. Well, guess how much work is in there already? And you can't fill your entire day with these three things because remember, You've already got other regular things on there like checking email, getting back to calls. Unexpected things are gonna come up. Other things will pop up that you will need to take care of. So (laughs) the goal here is not to have every moment of your day covered. You need space in there for those things. So you actually have to pick, what are my top three priorities? What must get done today? Everything else goes on the not now later list and I'll look to that tomorrow. Now I said earlier, the not now later list should be looked at at least weekly. It might be looked at every day. It's going to depend on how you utilize this. Maybe you have a top five priorities for the week, and each day you look at it, and you go, okay, here are my top two things I need to get done. And the next day, okay, I've got three things I can get done today. And the next thing, okay, I've got one thing I need to focus on. That's fine too. So if you haven't noticed, I'm kind of teaching you a system. I'm teaching you the how-to, but the system is every week, look at your week ahead. You have your not now later list that you start with. You figure out what your actual top three to five priorities are for that week. Note, rule of three is best. Sometimes there are more, right? Right. You go through your lists and you determine, based on the Eisenhower matrix, what's a true priority and what's a not. And you analyze it. You figure out what can be delegated and pushed off. You ask to extend when you need to. You calendar in the things you need to get done for bigger chunks of time for the week. And then you determine each day, okay, I've got couple of hours today, not already like taken up with meetings, not already taken up with the daily tasks, not already taken up with the bigger pieces you know, of time that I've scheduled. What are the top three things I want to get done up to the top three things? And then you assign yourself those things and you do them. Now, if for some reason you run out of time, because sometimes we do, it just goes into the next day. Sometimes that's why we stay up later and we get it done. Sometimes we realize, you know what, it was. I thought it was a priority for today, but it didn't get done, and now I'll just do it tomorrow. It's my number one priority before I move on to other things. This is how to be more intentional with your time. You need a system for how to do this, which I know sounds boring, but it's necessary if you want to actually get control over how you choose to spend your time. And by going through this process, what it's going to do for you is it's really going to start showing you all the things that you are doing that you really don't need to be doing, that you could be delegating, that you must say no to. It's going to show you where you need boundaries with clients, colleagues, and others. By the way, you might find that you need boundaries with family members or friends, right? Or... You know, maybe at church, they always ask you to do something for them that you don't always have time for. And you want to say yes to some, but you can't say yes to all. There are lots of areas. So don't just look at your professional life. Look at your personal life as well. Where do you need better boundaries? Boundaries, y'all, are kind of one of the biggest things for taking control of your time. You need them. They're necessary. It is what a boundary is, what enables you to actually prioritize the things that you say are most important to you. So be sure you have them. And I do have a whole episode on boundaries. So I will put a link to that episode in the show notes so that you can go and listen to that one as well. Okay, that's it for this episode. We will be back next week, which is a new month. Cannot believe we are already headed into November, y'all. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Life in Law Podcast. If you enjoyed this week's episode and aren't yet a follower or subscriber, be sure to hit the follow and or subscribe button so that you don't miss an episode. For show notes and free resources to help you succeed in both life and law, including the Life in & Law Roadmap, visit lifeinlawpodcast.com.